Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. Good morning. Would you stand with us as we start this morning off this morning? Wow, I've said a lot of this mornings. Yes, it is this morning. Let's worship the Lord today in this brand new year. Jesus. 
Happy New Year, Peckway Church. So glad that you are here today with us. I hope you had a great time ringing in the new year with your uh, friends and family. We are so pleased that you're here to start off the new year with us, worshiping God together. Thank you so much for uh, last week. Sorry I was out sick, but uh, I want to say thank you to my team. They did a great job of pivoting on the fly and uh, putting people together that were able to lead worship just at that last minute. So uh, if you get the opportunity, would you thank the team as well with me when you see them out and about through the church uh, this week or maybe out in the community? But it was a great, a great uh, time that they uh, led in you in worship, and it gave me that opportunity to be able to rest. So once again, thank you for that. My name is Scott. If you are new here with us, I'm the worship pastor at Peckway Church, and my family and I, we've been here for about three years uh, and been a part of this amazing community of worshipers. And uh, just a little bit about our church. Our church is focused on and dedicated to transforming lives by connecting people with God and each other. And hopefully, you're, hopefully, I'm going to slow down a little bit so I can talk today, but hopefully you're going to see and experience that as you worship with us today. So as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I'm glad that you're here with us. And so if this is your first time with us today, you're our first time guest, we would love to connect with you. Um, we know everybody prefers a different, uh, a different method of communication, so you can either fill out the green connection card that's inside of your bulletin this morning, 
um, and drop it in the box that is in the back of the room. Uh, and if you're viewing online today, you can click on the connect link in the chat window, or you can take out your phone and text the word hello to 717-872-5679. And we hope to provide you with important information about our church, open a personal line of communication, and give you everything that you need to know to see if Peckway Church is a good fit for you. Again, welcome. If you have any questions, um, you can write them on that card for all of our attenders and regular members. Uh, we, you fill out that card as well. Let us know that you're here. And if you have any questions or comments or prayer requests, you can also put those there. So, but again, welcome. If you have any questions, please stop by the welcome desk uh, on your way out this morning. And our host, Judy, and myself, we would love to chat. And we also have a free gift for you this morning. So if you're a first-time guest, come see us at the end of the service. Well, this, today we are starting a brand new sermon series called Models of Greatness. And when we look at the lives of men and women throughout the Bible and see how God uses uh, sinful human beings like you and me, it's so encouraging to know that no matter how broken our lives are, uh, or what they may seem to be like right now, God can use those to do something great. And so we have this brand new year, a clean slate. And so today, as we look at the life of Solomon, we're going to be uh, encouraged as we see how we can choose wisdom as we embark on this new year. Well, would you stand once again with us as we continue our worship? I love this song because it talks about that with God, we don't have to be ashamed. We can come before him. He already knows everything. And so this song says that we can leave our shame at the door when we came in today. So let's worship him. Let him have those things that are troubling you today as we sing this song. Jesus Christ. 
in these quiet next few moments, would you prick our hearts? Lord, would you bring to our minds those things that are weighing us down today, those things that maybe we're not, uh, Lord, in alignment with you. And so, uh, Father, with the gentle spirit that you speak to us with, would you speak to our hearts today? Would you remind us of your love God, would we be bold enough to exchange that heavy weight, that yoke that you say of uh, a heavy burden, will we exchange it for your light burden today? God, as we look into your word, as we talk about wisdom, 
God, as we start this new year, maybe with many resolutions, God, would you show us, give us light uh, to our path? God, you say that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And so would you show us through uh, the wisdom of your word today how we can live our lives wisely? And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, worship team. And as Scott mentioned in, the, in his prayer, many times already in the service, this is a new year. And with New Year's comes New Year's resolutions, right? At least for many of us. And so what I thought I'd do to kind of help us kick off 2022, just the second day in the year, is I want to do what I can to help motivate us to keep and stick with our resolutions so we don't stop, we don't give up, and we keep trying. So take a look at the screen to see if this helps you. Give up. You'll get it right, you'll get it right. Don't stop, don't give up. 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 Keep trying, keep trying. Don't give up, don't give up. You'll get it right. You'll get it right. Don't stop, don't give up. Don't stop, don't give up. Don't stop, don't give up. Keep trying, keep trying. Don't give up, don't give up. You'll get it right, you'll get it right. Don't stop, don't give up. 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 Keep trying, keep trying. Don't give up, don't give up. <laughs> so you motivated? <laughs> Probably every mother and grandmother in the place is, but maybe for guys, maybe this will help you. Take a look. You feel alive? I feel, I feel, I feel happy of myself. I feel happy of yourself too. What do you got, any words of wisdom? What about for all the other kids trying to learn how to ride their bike? Can you say anything to them? Everybody, I know you can believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, you will know how to ride a bike. If you don't, you just keep practicing. You won't get the hang of it, I know it! If you, if you keep practicing, you won't get the hang of it! And then, you can get better and better at it, if you get, if you do it! Give me some thumbs up! Thumbs up, everybody! Alright! We're <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those two kids. But seriously, the motivation that I want us to tap in today really uh, is described by Jim Collins in his book, Great by Choice. Some of you have read it, most of you are familiar with his name, but in his research it, for that book, he landed on a truth that quite honestly is theological in its foundations, because what he really discovered in his research was this, that you and I experience greatness by choice. And yet our tendency is, at least I'll tell you my tendency, our tendency is to look at our circumstances, to look at our good luck or our bad luck and somehow attribute our um, lack of success or perhaps even our lack of greatness 
due to those things. Instead of looking instead at our actions and our personal choices, our lack of discipline, and, and saying, you know what, maybe that's the cause of our mediocrity in life. But he summarized, that is, Colin summarized his findings for the book this way. Let me just read it to you because I think it's profound. He says, there is an overarching message arising from more than 6,000 years of combined corporate history across all our research. It would be this. Greatness is not primarily a matter of circumstances. Greatness is first and foremost a matter of conscious choice. And I share that because, quite honestly, that's how the Bible would summarize it as well, which is why at the very beginning of 2022, we are going to spend the next five weeks looking at three men and two women who, by every standard, were in fact great, who experienced greatness in their life. And what we're going to do specifically is we're going to examine the one choice that each one of those individuals made that set them up for greatness, to be used by God in an incredible way. And so what I want to say to you is, as we go through these five lives, I want you to see them as a case study for what we can do and what we should do, and the decision we ought to make, the choice we ought to make if we want to live a life great for God. So let's get started with the very first person I want us to look at. Scott's already alluded to you. He's already given you the tell. That is, we're going to look at the life of a man by the name of Solomon. Now, if you're not familiar with Solomon, he was the son of King David. Yes, the King David who slew Goliath, the King David who started out a shepherd, the King David who really turned Israel into this vast military empire, the King David who, who just extended the boundaries of Israel beyond any other boundaries they have ever experienced before. Yes, the King David who committed adultery with Bathsheba. Solomon was the second child to David and Bathsheba, and after his death, Solomon succeeded him as the king of Israel. But what I want to focus on today is shortly after Solomon became king of Israel, he had this profound, defining moment in his life with God, and it's recorded for us in 1 Kings chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, or if not, take out your message notes. The passage is printed there for you, but let me just read it for you. Beginning with verse 5 of chapter 3 of 1 Kings, here's what we read from the New National Version. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern over the people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so there will never be anyone like you, nor there ever will be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you'll walk in my ways and obey my statutes and command as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And so Solomon was asked by God to choose or ask for whatever he wanted, and he asked God 
for wisdom. And as a result, he experienced genuine greatness, for his success and his reign as king really was unparalleled. Let me just kind of give you a for instance that through his reign, he consolidated the vast territory of David into one empire. He initiated significant building programs like the building of the first temple in Jerusalem, the creation of a seaport at Ezion Geber. He was able to uh, bring a, a level of economic prosperity to Israel that has never been equal. They, they truly were living in excess. He brought peace to the surrounding nations. He, he forged alliances with many of those same nations, and one of the most significant was with the nation of Egypt. But having said all that, here's what I want you to think about. God looked to Solomon and said, ask for whatever you want. If God did that to you, if God, God did that to me, what would you ask for? Would it be the first thing that you and I ask for, wisdom? I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure it would be the first thing that entered my mind. I'm just being honest with you. And yet, having said that, I'll be equally honest, I, I wish it would be, I hope it would be, because folks, the, the question, the best question you and I, I could ever ask in life is this, what is the wise thing to do? Because the reality is there are many, many important questions in life. Things like, you know, should I get married? Should I stay single? Should I go to college or get a job? Should we start our family now or should we wait? Should we buy the home or should we postpone it? Should, should, we, should we take the job or should we leave the job? The reality is there's many important questions in life, but the, when we ask what is the wise thing to do, that question not only helps us answer the important questions wisely and well, it quite honestly helps us avoid a lot of regret in life. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Right now, at the very beginning of 2022, I want you to think about your greatest regret. Now, don't write it down, don't shout it out loud, but just think for a second. What is your greatest regret in life? Now, having thought about that, here's the question I want to ask you. Could that regret, regret be avoided? Could it have been avoided? If you, on the front end of that regret, would have asked yourself, what's the wise thing to do? I mean, here's what I know about myself. Here's what I think I know about you, folks. Most of us do not set out to mess up our life. But the reality is, folks, we often do because on the front end, we fail to truly consider the wisdom of our actions, the wisdom of our choices. And even when we do, even on the front end when we consider them, you and I have this incredible capacity to rationalize away unwise actions. And so we say, you know what, I, I didn't work out today. Why? Because I needed my rest, right? We ate the quart of ice cream yesterday. Why? Because we deserve it. I mean, we have this incredible capacity to rationalize, rationalize away unwise actions and choices. That's why Paul said this to us. He warned, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Yet the reality is we often fail to apply that counsel. If we're just honest with ourselves, we often fail to apply it. And so instead of asking ourselves, what's the wise thing to do, we tend to ask ourselves, what can I do to get what I want? Right? I mean, we tend to ask ourselves these questions that really are related to how can I get what I want? How far can I go without suffering difficult negative consequences? What's wrong with what I want? We tend to ask those kind of questions. And folks, if those are the kind of questions we ask ourselves on the front end, then I can guarantee you inevitably on the back end, we're going to ask ourselves 
How did I get myself into the mess that I'm in? Invariably. When those are the questions we ask, instead of beginning with the question, what is the wise thing to do, we invariably end up asking ourselves, how did I get myself into such a mess? So again, I want you to go back. Think about that regret that you have in life, that big regret. Those questions, you know, that, that you, those decisions that you wish you could reverse, the relationships that somehow you wish you could heal. Could some or all of those regrets been avoided if you had asked on the front end, what's the wise thing to do? My suspicion is they probably could have been avoided. So how do we do that then? How do we choose wisdom? How do we choose to live in a wise way? Well, what I'm going to do this morning is share with you five choices that we can make to choose wisdom. And here's the first one. To choose wisdom, number one, we need to ask God for it. We need to ask God for it. Take a look at what James writes. James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to him. It will be given to her. And so what James is saying very clearly, folks, is the first step for you and I is we need to ask God for wisdom. And then having asked for it, we need to trust that God will in fact give it to us and give it to us generously without finding fault. So that's the first thing we need to do. We need to ask God for it. The second way you and I can choose wisdom is this. We need to become a student of wisdom. We need to become a student of wisdom. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be great to be able to tap into the wisdom that God gave Solomon? I mean, wouldn't it be great to be able to consult it, reference it when we're making a decision, to be able to read it, to study it, and let it guide us? Well, here's the good news, folks. We can. Because the book of Proverbs really is a record of some of the best wisdom God gave Solomon. It is, in fact, the, the wisdom that God wanted Solomon to communicate to us. It's there for us to study and read. Let me give you a few examples. Examples of wisdom that relate to relationships. He says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. Proverbs 11.22, Solomon writes this, like gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. In Proverbs 25.17, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you and he will hate you. Now, folks, those are three verses that, are, that give us incredible relational wisdom. And so all I'm saying is we need to become a student of it. Because in the book of Proverbs, God gives us not only relational wisdom, he gives us financial wisdom, he gives us marriage wisdom, he gives us parenting wisdom. Over and over again, God gives us vocational wisdom, God gives us spiritual wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And we need to become a student of wisdom. Let me give you a third thing we need to do. To choose wisdom, we need to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? We need to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? Solomon wrote this, the first step to becoming wise is to look for wisdom, so use everything you have to get understanding. So let me just kind of net this out. Let me tease it out for us, folks. So in light of your past experience in mind, we need to ask ourselves, what places should I avoid? What people should I not spend a lot of time with? In other words, what we need to do based on our past experience, we need to ask ourselves, what are the good things for me to do? What are the bad things? What are the things I need to avoid in my life? And then it comes to our season of life. We need to ask ourselves, in light of the season that I'm in today, 
What's the wise thing for me to do? If you would say, I'm in the season of being a young parent, what's the wise thing for me to do as a parent of two young children? We need to ask in light of the season of life, we need to ask, you know, in, in light of the debt load that I'm carrying, what's the wise thing for me to do about this new purchase? In the season of life, we need to ask, what is the wise thing to do? Then in light of our hopes, our dreams, our future, we need to ask, what's the wise thing for me to do today to realize those dreams tomorrow? For, listen to me, folks, even if you don't have a specific plan for your future, a specific hope, a dream, here's what we need to understand. Our future still hinges on our choices today. Our future is determined by our choices today. So, for example, based on where you would like to be financially in 10 years from now, 10 years from today, you need to ask yourself, what's the wise thing that I need to do right now to get there? Is it to begin start saving? Is it to spend less, to save more? What is the wise thing you need to do today to get there? But again, what we tend to do instead of, instead of asking what's the wise thing to do, especially with finances, we say, you know, what can I do to get what I want? What can I do to get what I want? In other words, going, can, can I put it on my credit card? How big a loan can I get? If I can get that loan, can I cover the monthly payments? You see, instead of asking what's the wise thing to do, especially financially, we tend to ask, what can I do to get what I want? And if we could find a way to get what we want, we think that means we should do it. But when we begin to chase after and ask the question, what is the wise thing to do, then we stop asking, what do I want to do? And we ask, what should I do? We stop asking, what do I want for my life? And we begin to ask, what does God want for my life? And so the third way that you and I choose freedom is ask the what, what is the question, what is the wise thing to do? Well, let me give you the fourth way. The fourth way that you and I choose wisdom is we choose to act on it. We choose to act on it. James writes this, who is, wise and, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Here's the point. Here's the reason I share those verses with you. It is not enough for you and I to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? We need to act on that answer. We need to do it. Because most of us, listen, most of the regrets that you have, most of the regrets that I have, flow out of a series of choices that weren't necessarily technically wrong. The choices were just unwise. We might even say they were foolish in hindsight. And so if we would ask on the front end, what is the wise thing to do? The folks, the reality is we could do some things that would keep us from living with regret. We can do some things to prevent the regrets that we carry today. Now, Andy Stanley wrote a book almost a decade ago entitled The Best Question Ever, talking about this very thing of what is the wise thing to do. And in that book, he offers an illustration that I think is so powerful and so relevant to our lives. I want to share it with you. He says, this is how it works. He writes, Sheila and Frank work in the office together. Frank is married. Sheila is single. Sheila is attractive, and Frank is certainly noticed. Well, one day, Frank thinks to himself, I can invite Sheila to lunch. I mean, there's nothing wrong with coworkers going to lunch together. Now, there's just a nanosecond of hesitation on Frank's part, but then again, he simply rationalizes and said, it'll be professional. We'll talk about work. Besides that, we'll be in a public place. 
And so Frank asks, Sheila accepts, and they go to lunch. Now let me ask you a question. Was there anything wrong done in that moment? The answer is no. On the other hand, how wise was it for a married man to go to lunch with a single woman who he finds attractive? Well, a few weeks later, the team's working late, and dinner time rolls around, so Frank thinks to himself, you know what, I can invite Sheila out for dinner. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a couple friends going out to dinner. Well, Sheila's flattered, and she's hungry, so she says yes. And besides, she rationalized, I mean, Frank's married, so I don't have to worry about him hitting on me like the other single guys in our group. Now, once again, folks, nobody's done anything technically wrong. But decisions already are being made that is setting trajectory that is clearly moving in a dangerous direction. Can we see that? Well, during dinner, Sheila asked Frank about his family. Unfortunately, things in the marriage aren't going well. Sheila listens, offers some suggestions, and Frank thinks to himself, if only my wife was more like Sheila. Again, they've done nothing wrong. If Frank's wife had walked into the restaurant at that time, he could have, with a clear conscience, introduced the two women to one another. The team's deadline draws closer to being at that D-Day. So Frank's supervisor says to him, I want you to break up the team into three groups so that you can work on three components of the project at the same time simultaneously. Frank is given the ability to choose his, his work partner. He chooses Sheila. He rationalizes, we've been working together for the last few months. Nothing's changed. Besides, I can think of no good reason not to work together, and I can think of a half a dozen reasons why it would be good to work together, so Frank asked Sheila. One night, after the project completed, Frank offers to drive Sheila home. Sheila invites Frank in. Now again, there's nothing about that that's professional. It's all personal. But nothing inappropriate happens. They talk for a few minutes, and Frank leaves. The next morning, Frank's wife asked why he was late getting home, and even though there was nothing technically wrong about driving Sheila home, he's hesitant to tell her. He doesn't feel comfortable mentioning it to his wife. Well, two nights later, the same situation takes place, but this time Frank gives Sheila a hug at the door. They both know it's wrong, but the wheels of rationalization have been turning in both their lives so often and so frequently that their excuses overwhelm their collective conscience. Now, do I need to tell anyone what happens next? Folks, here's the point. Every poor decision in that scenario was prefaced by an unwise choice. And if in that process, early on, Frank and Sheila had both asked, what's the wise thing to do, instead of focusing on whether or not what they were doing was technically wrong, then folks, they could have acted wisely and saved a marriage and spared Frank's children the heartache and the heartbreak of watching their father's and mother's marriage implode because of infidelity. So let me ask you a question in light of that story. Where are you in your life right now potentially playing the game that there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing?
Does it have to relate to chatting with members of the opposite sex online? Is it going to dinner or lunch with coworkers of the opposite sex? Is it going out dancing or bar hopping with, with your friends while your spouse stays at home? Is it being free and loose with reporting your true income to the IRS? Folks, where I'm asking you, where aren't you asking yourself, what's the wise thing to do? Where are we failing to ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? But we might be asking ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? You might be asking me, Jerry, what do I do if I'm asking myself that question? I don't know the answer. What do I do? Well, that's the fifth step in choosing wisdom. The fifth step is we seek wise counsel. We seek wise counsel. For when wise people truly do not understand, cannot figure out what's the wise thing to do in this situation, you know what they do? They find people who can tell them. They find people they trust who know the answer, which brings us back to Solomon, because Solomon understood at the very heart of wisdom is a willingness to seek counsel, to seek wisdom for others. Take a look at what he writes. Let me just give you just a few verses. He writes, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. And then he goes on, he says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Then he writes, Listen to, and, to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. And finally he writes, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Let me ask you an obvious question. Do you get the theme? Solomon is clearly communicating to you and to me that wise people seek counsel. Here's what I want to say to you folks. If the best question you and I could ask ourselves is what's the wise thing to do, then the second best question we can ask ourselves is what do you think the wise thing for me to do is? We seek wise counsel, folks, because listen, our failures, more often than not, is all but ensured when you and I refuse to seek and then to listen to genuine wise counsel. Counsel. That's why Solomon says again, I'll read the verse again, the way of a fool seems right to him or her, but a wise person listens to advice. So let me end where I began. Folks, greatness in your life and mine is not dependent upon our circumstances or good luck. Greatness in your life and mine for God is dependent upon our choices, and the first choice we need to make is to choose wisdom. Is to choose to follow and ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? That's why Solomon says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise person listens to advice. Because folks, when you and I choose wisdom, and we choose it early on, and we choose it over and over again, I can tell you two things will be true in your life and mine. Number one is that we will be spared a lot of regrets. And number two, we will be set up to live a life that's honoring to God and truly will feel to us like a great life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, at this very start of this new year, I just want to say thank you for giving us wisdom when we ask for it. Even though there are many, many times in our life, many, many times in my life, when we can be incredibly foolish. Thank you for the example of Solomon and the example of the other four individuals that we're going to look at through this series because taken together collectively, they are such a powerful model of greatness. 
that truly can revolutionize our lives. And so, Father, I just want to say thank you this morning for including their stories, each of their stories, in your word, in the Bible. And I just want to end today, Father, at the start of 2022, asking you to help us to choose to shift our thinking from what can I do to what should I do. By asking ourselves that incredibly important question, what is the wise thing for me to do? And I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry, for that message today on wisdom. And thank you for making the wise choice to start your new year off right this year by worshiping with us today. You know, we've had a great time of singing together, uh, of hearing some great teaching, um, you know, and that is all part of worship. And so when we share those things together, when you decide to come to church instead of sleeping in, when you praise God for all that he's done, you pray all kinds of prayers and open up God's word and you put that into practice in your life. That is all worship. Well, one way that uh, it's very tangible way that we can also worship is through our giving. And so, you know, no matter uh, where you are with generosity, whether you've never given before or you faithfully have been giving uh, for many, many years, God calls every worshiper to prioritize him with our finances. And uh, we're going to look at the scripture together, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. I think we're going to be able to have it on the screen um, but if not, it's in the NIV, it's Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And in these coming uh, next few weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit more through these giving talks about what that means. But for today, at the outset of this new year, what I think we need to know is simple. And that that's that you can only have one first. You know, we can't have two top priorities. And that's why God calls us to worship him by putting him first. And so no matter where you're starting from today with your giving, I want to challenge you to put God first. And so if you'll begin to prioritize God in your life, he will make your giving into an act of worship. So there's several ways that you could give this morning. Uh, in person, you can do that with an offering envelope. Those are located at the back of the room there. Uh, there's a box that you can place that offering in. You can also do it online through our website. We also have a text to give. Uh, that There's information in your bulletin. I think we also have it here on the screen. So several ways that we can give. But I encourage you, as we start off this year thinking about making those wise choices, that God is faithful and he will honor those wise choices that you make. So let's make him our first priority this year as we start off with giving. Let me say a prayer for us and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this great time of worship we've had today. Hearing your word, Lord. God, as we have this brand new, brand new year with a clean slate, God, to start things over, we thank you for that. We thank you for a new year. Father, uh, may we be challenged today in making those wise choices, and one of those choices is putting you first, making you our priority through our giving this year as we, uh, Lord, as we depend on you, as we come to those promises. May we trust you in the giving. Will you bless, Father, those um, that are, that feel that they can make those choices. And if not, there's no pressure, God. We know that as well. God, you you love us no matter those choices that we make. And so just I pray that you would just strengthen our hearts, encourage us as we hear more 
about how to be a cheerful giver over these next few weeks, Father. And uh, be with us now as we leave this place and as we hopefully get to meet again next week. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great day.